Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Well, good day, good evening, good afternoon, good morning. Whatever time it is, you're tuning in to Line Drive Radio. Thank you so much and welcome aboard. It is a Friday edition, August 13th, 2021. The day after the incredible Field of Dreams game last night between the White Sox and the Yankees. Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cutler here in the great state of New York. And as always, hanging out with my line mate, Mr. Tab Bamford from the great city of Chicago, the victors last night. How's it going, buddy? You must be uh, pretty happy out there in Chi-Town. Yeah, I mean, look, it was it was everything that you would want for a national game to be. You had drama. You had the stars show up big. Uh, you know, I think the only thing that might have made it better was if you had Garrett Cole going against Lance Lynn last night. But it was, I think, if Major League Baseball had uh, written a script for last night, it might not have played out as well as it did, so... Kudos to Major League Baseball for having a, a pretty cool idea. Uh, you know, as everybody knows that listens, you know, we're a couple hockey guys at the same time as being baseball guys. And hockey's done a really nice job with their Winter Classic events of giving you that feel of how it felt to play as a kid outdoors. And Major League Baseball found a really cool, unique setting with some nostalgia tied to it. And they, the aesthetic of the game was unparalleled. Uh, the way that they rolled the game into its opening was tremendous, and then the way that the game played out was compelling. So, great stuff last night, and I think that both sides should be, both sides of fans at least, and baseball fans at large, should be really excited about how that game played out last night because it was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it was uh, pretty much picture perfect. I can imagine uh, everybody in MLB, you know, you kind of cross your fingers, you set up a, an event like that, you hope you get the weather and, um, you know, you never know what kind of a script you're going to get as far as the game being played, uh, all the pop and stance, the pregame stuff, you know, Costner there, and, uh, you know, with recle- you know, uh, reflections back to the movie, which is a fantastic movie, too. So any, uh, anybody who hasn't watched the movie, go watch the movie, and then you can tie it all together. But I think that's really nice, too, and we were talking about it all fair, too, as well, Tab. I mean, I hope that's, that's something for, you know, most people who didn't get a chance to tune into it, and I'll be looking forward to the, to the ratings of it as well. Um, as far as people watching it and tuning it in last night, even though it's you know Chicago and New York, I wonder what nationally and even maybe globally if uh, a lot of people tuned in. But that's something I hope they put on a nice little uh, you know DVD package and, and everybody can kind of uh, you know check out every aspect of it. And going forward, Tab. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is something they're going to do every year now. Um, Major uh, Rob Manfred said before the game that. They do plan on revisiting uh, the concept, which is great. Good luck living up to the first one. Um, 
And earlier this week, uh, Cubs manager David Ross slipped up a little bit in one of his pregame press conferences and said that he looks forward to hopefully managing in it next year. So at the risk of spoiling a spoiler that's already been put out there by the Cubs manager, it sounds like the Cubs might get some run in it next year. Um, which with the Cubs having a very long standing relationship with the state of Iowa, with one of their minor league teams being in the state makes sense. Um, you know, I think the fact that the movie was focused around the black Sox, you know, I think the white Sox were the natural team to put in it against the Yankees. It just, everything about last night was perfect. And like I said, good luck living up to it, but it does sound like major league baseball sees this as a possible one-off, uh, with kind of some longstanding run. And again, fans were into it. The scene was gorgeous. Um, and the game itself, good luck living up to that. So I do, I'm with you. I hope that they, they revisit this, you know, even if it's every other year, great, but, um, obviously the first time is always going to be special. And we were blessed to have, again, a really incredible regular season baseball game between the first place White Sox and the Yankees team that's fighting tooth and nail to stay in the playoff picture with a lot of injuries and COVID stuff going around around their roster. So you got everything that you would hope for, you know, Stanton and Judge going yard and then the Sox walking it off. It was it was breathtaking. It really was. So good for me, good for Major League Baseball, good for baseball fans uh, at large. And then with the two teams, you know, good luck coming home and having the emotions settle down, playing a couple games. Uh, on the south side of Chicago this weekend, because obviously that that was a pretty emotional time for everybody involved. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll get into that a little more with respect to the Yankees and the White Sox as far as where they are uh, themselves in the standings, uh, their outlook for uh, getting into the playoffs. And uh, we'll go in depth with that in a little bit. Right now we'll start, as we always do, with headlines here and uh, just running around the standings real quick uh, as far as where we're at here. Um uh, you know, the East, you know, as far as the Yankees are concerned here, Tampa Bay still up top. Um, five games uh, up on Boston and seven on the Yankees in the standings. Tampa Bay just getting their uh, 70th win there. Your boy Wander involved with that. Uh, maybe talk about that in a little bit. Uh, Chicago 11.5 up of Detroit and Cleveland, the Cleveland Guardians. And then uh, the Houston Astros still a game and a half up in uh, on Oakland there. So let's just stay in the, in the American League right now there tab and just kind of look at that and then um before we uh move over to the national side and as far as uh chris sale returning uh this weekend for the red sox and maybe helping them out a little bit uh, i mean boston desperately needs chris sale and some type of an emotional injection of energy because they've won three of their last 10 uh obviously they're coming off a loss and so you look at the top four in the east Toronto seven and three, Yankees seven and three, Tampa seven and three, Red Sox three and seven. Um, you know they've really slid back to the pack here, which has made the fight for the wild card now even more intriguing. Uh, with Boston at sixty six wins, the Yankees sixty three, Toronto sixty two, and Oakland with sixty seven. You know now, you know Oakland has won seven straight and eight of their last ten. Right now on paper, they're the hottest team in the American League. And with Houston four and six in their last 10, they've closed that gap to a game and a half. And so right now, you know, the Astros are one game in front in the win column. They got two fewer losses than Oakland. So thus the game and a half differential. But, 
Houston's got a big chasing, closing Oakland team in their rearview mirror. And though both of those teams with 68 and 67 wins respectively are looking at Boston with 66 and the hard charging Yankees and Blue Jays behind them, the wild card's wide open in the American League. I think the only team that you can safely say is in the playoffs right now is the Chicago White Sox. And that's because, again, with Cleveland trading Cesar Hernandez to the White Sox at the deadline, they effectively put up the white flag. The Twins, even though they've won six of their last 10, 17 and a half back, probably the biggest disappointment in the American League this year. They were supposed to be the only team in the Central to push the White Sox, and they've done nothing but go the wrong direction. And then trading Nelson Cruz and Jose Barrios uh, obviously was a, a, an indication that they're chalking this year up as an L. So the White Sox, I think, clinched the division on the at the trade deadline with the moves that Minnesota made. And, you know, credit Detroit for being tied for second place right now. I don't think a lot of people thought Detroit was going to climb as quickly as they have. And certainly three games under five hundred isn't in any way confusing them with a juggernaut. But their young pitching is coming. They've got bats coming. We talked, you know, on earlier shows about Miguel Cabrera, now one homer shy of the five hundred mark. He's playing well. So kudos to the Tigers for, for having a season and being – Really, I think, more competitive than a lot of people thought they might be throughout this season. But the wild card's wide open in the American League, and it's going to be a really fun you know, back half of August here as we climb up to the 15th this weekend. we got about six, seven weeks of baseball left, and you've got realistically three teams in the East and two in the West that have to be concerned about what's going on in the wild card. I mean, even Seattle, if they get hot, they've got 61 wins they're a team that could be interesting. With 61 wins, they're only two games behind the Yankees, one behind Toronto. You know, even the young Seattle Mariners could make life miserable for somebody in this playoff mix. And that's what makes the wild card fun. You've got, you know, six teams that have something that they got to fight for and, and play for here for the last seven weeks. And that, that was the point when they put the wild cards in. So uh, the American League wide open for grabs right now. And you're right, Tampa is really impressive with the injuries that they've dealt with this year and with the way that they unloaded guys in the off season to be as dominant and just complete as they have been has been really, really impressive. Yeah, it's good uh, a good push here. We, we talked about it last week as well, too, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, the importance of the wild card and, uh, you know, making these races uh, a lot of fun. And, and, and you got a lot of good teams here, a lot of star power, um, fun personalities that you know at least all of us here in, in Major League Baseball as fans can can kind of keep an eye on this. So, the, like I said, I think these next seven weeks, starting here in the American League, are going to be a lot of fun and it'll be interesting. And I was just kind of thinking of you know when you talk about Detroit and um you know Seattle here and and maybe even the Angels next year because we were talking about you know uh, some of the moves these these guys have been making and, and the youth and some of these teams and everything else. And if the league can get through the CBA, man, I think uh, I think. You, you can just look forward to next year, these teams that are improving. And it, it, it I can only imagine what the race is going to be like next year. Yeah, and, and, you know, I've, you know, look, they've got the worst run differential in the American League and they've lost their last eight. So me spouting off about Baltimore being relevant in the future feels like it's way too early here. But Adley Rushman is killing the ball at every level that he plays at. Cedric Mullins is great. You know, Baltimore is a, a big enough market that if they want to go spend some money, they theoretically could. Um, 
you know, I think the East is going to be more competitive as Baltimore gets better. Kansas City's got a lot of young pitching coming that's really exciting. Uh, you know, Cleveland has always got pitching. You know, unfortunately, they're kind of in a in between right now. You know, with Lindor leaving, you know, what do they do with the bats? It feels like, you know, they've always been able to produce people from inside, so we'll see where they go. But the Angels are coming. The Rangers have deep pockets. They're gonna they're expected to spend a ton of money this offseason. Seattle's young and they've got more guys coming like Julio Rodriguez. So, you know, I think the parity is only gonna become, you know, even more real across the American League in the coming years because everybody has a youth movement coming and it's just where in that development cycle are you? And right now, you know, Tampa just keeps turning guys over every single year and keeps replenishing from within. The White Sox are kind of they're they're in their window right now, clearly. They've got a young team at the major league level. They've got more young players coming up through the system. And they've been able to mortgage some of that organizational depth to make deals that they need to. They traded Dane Dunning, who's a really good young pitcher, to get Lance Lynn. And now Lance Lynn's probably your favorite to win the Cy Young in the American League. But, you know, you look at the ages of guys like Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert, um, and they're not really going to go anywhere for a while. So Detroit's going to climb and make their life hell for the next few years because they've got Spencer Torkelson coming and they've got some other young bats that are on the way. So you're right. Like the parody's just going to become even more real in the American league in the coming years, because we've seen now with the way that the Astros and Cubs tore it down in the last decade and turned that burn down into world series championships, albeit, you know, you can say Houston, it was the tear down and the ability to weaponize garbage cans. Um, but uh, but the way the teams have seen that there's a there is a philosophy and there is a road to tear it down if it's not working and rebuild on the fly and the White Sox are a great example of that with the way that they've benefited from the trades of Jose Quintana, Chris Sale, and Adam Eaton. Um, that teams don't have to be bad for a decade at a time anymore, and that's what's exciting in the American League. Baltimore's coming, Kansas City's coming, Detroit's coming, Texas is going to turn it around because they'll just buy players to fix it. L.A., obviously, they need Trout and Rendon to be healthy, uh, and they need to find some pitching that actually works at the front of the rotation with Shohei, but their owner obviously has never been afraid to spend money, even though they're going to start wandering into luxury tax territory pretty quickly here. But, yeah, the American League is is, go- is wide open right now, and it's going to be more wide open in the future. So I think, realistically, every market in the American League in the next three, four years is going to have something to really get excited about and have players that they can go buy jerseys of and be supportive of because you're going to have faces of franchises there for a long time if they're not there already. Yeah, it's looking good. Uh, People in uh, merchandising and sales are very excited about the upcoming uh, seasons here in Major League Baseball. Again, ding, CBA, hopefully they get through that and uh, get on the other side of it. But there is a pile of money to be um, uh, continually made here by Major League Baseball. All right, we'll swing out to the National League here. We'll start out in the West. Frisco still running the gamut out there. Um, five and a half up on the Dodgers. Uh, Padres have dropped to nine back. Uh, the good thing for them is is that they're in a wild card spot right now. Um, again, the Giants just threw the wrench into everybody's plans there as far as the Dodgers and the Padres are concerned. Um, Colorado and Arizona still way back in the rearview mirror. Looking to the Central here. 
Uh, my Milwaukee Brewers are still uh, in first place and now with a commanding uh, eight-game lead against uh, over Cincinnati, uh, 11 in St. Louis. Your Cubbies there have, have kind of waned back, uh, understandably, after the uh, the trade deadline. And Pittsburgh there on the bottom. I don't know when Pittsburgh's ever going to do anything. Maybe you'll have some insight for us there, Tab. Uh, nope. And then <laughs> winding things up uh, in the East. Unbelievable. The amazing Mets are not amazing anymore. They are now five, uh, half a game back of the Phillies. Uh, uh, only a game ahead of Atlanta. Uh, the Nationals there, 10 back in, in Miami, respectively, uh, from uh, Philly and uh, 12 back Miami there as well, too. You know, we talked real quick on the trade deadline. I brought it up to you. I was asking questions curiously. You know, how the Phillies really didn't make too much of a big splash at the trade deadline. Neither did Atlanta. Uh, it was almost like as if they knew they were going to be able to catch the New York Mets. And sure enough, here they are. Um, so let's start there and, and, and maybe talk a little bit about Bryce Harper as well as a uh, as you're suggesting now a possibility uh, for a favorite for National League uh, MVP. Maybe get a little insight on that and your take there. Yeah, I mean, look, the Mets, the weather has been a problem for the Mets the whole year, and obviously injuries have been a huge narrative for them. It seems like forever with that franchise, they've never been able to keep guys healthy. And playing away from New York, they've, I mean, they're 23 and 35 as we talk on Friday morning away from City Field. So, um you know, figuring out how to win on the road is a big deal. But Philly put it on New York last weekend, sprinted past them to grab hold of the division again. To their credit, the Mets took advantage of a Washington team that's Juan Soto and whatever, um, and were able to sweep a three-game set. Albeit is that their with, marketing slogan now in, in, in D.C.? We still have Juan Soto. Um, Soto and whatever. Come out to yeah. the park. Yeah, Soto and whatever. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, the Mets needed that. And so right now you got the Phillies with a half-game lead. Even with an 8-2 and two run in their last 10, uh, they're only a half-game up. Uh, one game in the win column that both the Mets and Phillies have 55 losses. Um, they, But here's the problem for Mets fans. Jacob deGrom is still without an ETA to rejoin the rotation. Uh, Javier Baez has joined Francisco Lindor on the injured list. They got a huge walk-off from Pete Alonso yesterday, but the offense has been terribly inconsistent. Um, they have easily, far and away, almost 30 fewer runs allowed than anybody else in that division, but they've scored almost 90 runs fewer than the Phillies have in one fewer game. And so the Mets need to find some consistency and unfortunately for Mets fans, as they sweep the Nationals and get back to a half game behind Philly for the top spot in the East, now they're looking at a weekend set with the Dodgers in New York. And the Dodgers are going to roll out Julio Urias, Walker Bueller, and Max Scherzer for the three games. So you go from playing Juan Soto and the whatever to playing the Dodgers, who are looking up at the Giants, who have won their last five and kind of extended. The Dodgers caught up, and then, you know, even with a 7-3 and three in their last 10, have now slid back to five games behind the Giants, who we're talking about teams getting to 70. Your Milwaukee Brewers have 70. The Rays have 70. San Francisco's at 74. Um, this? I mean, they just, they refuse. We've spent the whole year saying at some point San Francisco is going to wake up and realize that the better Dodgers are in the rearview mirror, and they don't care. They just keep going out there and winning games. And so 
Yeah, I mean, when you look at the National League MVP race, I think Bryce Harper, as the Phillies have, you know, jumped into the lead in the National League East, he has the name recognition. Um, he's a guy that people have voted for in the past. He's been hot, uh, has played really well over the last four or five weeks, as has Freddie Freeman in Atlanta, who got off to a terribly slow start. Uh, and so those two guys, because of their name recognition, could certainly be in that conversation for National League MVP, depending on who wins the National League East. Uh, and the guy that I love is Brandon Crawford, who leads the Giants in almost every offensive category, who plays gold glove caliber defense at shortstop. Um, you know, he's been a guy who in a walk year, a lot of people thought could be a trade deadline candidate when the season started, who has said, screw it, let's go out and win these things. And, and at, at a premium defensive position, playing as well as anyone with the glove has led them in almost every offensive category. So the, I think, you know, when you look at the wild card race here, Cincinnati with 62 wins could make it interesting, but the Padres are six games clear in the win column of anyone in the National League East. So you're going to get one team out of the East, whoever wins the division. Uh, you know, whether or not Cincinnati can can climb into relevance here with their 62 wins is to be determined. They're the only team other than Milwaukee with a positive run differential in the Central. Um, but the Padres need to stay healthy, and they need Fernando Tatis Jr., whether he's playing shortstop or the outfield, which reports are that he's – been working in the outfield may transition there in the not too distant future. Um, you know, it, it's, it's hard to see how you, you won't have as many teams vying for playoff position, but what you will have is a very compelling playoff race because I don't think the Dodgers want to host you Darvish and the San Diego Padres in the one game playoff to try and get in. I would love that, that buddy. I'm writing that down. That would be I mean, again, that would be. I, I've been saying it for weeks, Paul, embrace the chaos. <laughs> And if the Dodgers have a potential one and done here, you know, that that's dangerous, especially against a Padres team that has, when healthy, as loaded a lineup as anybody and pitching for days. So it's interesting. You got a race in the East, you got a race in the West, you've got wild card implications in the West. They're all going to beat up on each other. And in the Central, you know, kind of like the American League, I think the Brewers handled their business when they needed to. And everyone around them fell apart. You know, maybe the only teams that have been as disappointing as the Twins have been the Cardinals and Cubs. And I think most people, when the Cubs traded you Darvish to San Diego, expected them to be a middle-of-the-pack type team, which is what they've faded into being now. I mean, they're now looking at a top-10 draft pick next year. So the Cardinals went big. They made the Arenado deal. They're two games over 500 and really not in the playoff consideration set right now. Um, but... Yeah, it, it, you've got a playoff race in the East and a playoff race in the West that are really exciting. And the Brewers just keep chugging along, and their pitching just continues to dominate. So, you know, we'll we'll see what the next seven weeks hold in the National League, but there's plenty of reason to watch out-of-market games in both leagues at this point. Yeah, and I don't think the Brewers are going to really have much to worry about here. And their, their schedule ahead here is kind of kind of light here. They've got a, a full-game set where they can probably put the nail in the, in the Reds' coffin there uh, at the end of the month here. They got a lot of games against St. Louis coming up. A um, couple of good, uh, you know, matchups against the Giants, which will be great for them in terms of testing their medal uh, pre-playoffs and stuff. But they, there's a lot of Pittsburgh in there, and um, you know, so I, I think Milwaukee's in a in a pretty much a lock there to to wrap that uh, division up and and just kind of be a fun team to watch in, in the playoffs one way or the other. So there's the National League kind of. Um, 
winding out for everybody there, too. And, again, you know, we, we, we talk about the American League, too, but there'll be some fun stuff here to look at. Uh, you know, I'm just marveling at San Francisco. You know, if we're here at the end of the year and the Giants somehow were to come out on top, would be just something to kind of just, you know, you shake your head out because, you know, I mean, we're a long way to go here. There was a lot of great teams, and there's two really good teams we're going to talk about here, especially the White Sox here in, in, in a little bit. And, and no disrespect to the other teams that are coming out of it here, but there's just something about, because I think maybe maybe Tab and then you can kind of bounce back on this. Because of the Dodgers and the Padres and the hype about them and all their talent and all the money and that division, and I got to tell you, I don't think anybody, no matter if even respectfully you looked at their roster and say, yeah, they might be pretty decent. But I don't think anybody would have put them at 74 wins and pretty much looking pretty damn good like Dodgers who, Padres who, bring it, we got it. Yeah, and, and you know, I think full credit to Gabe Kapler for going out there after admittedly a pretty rough run in Philadelphia for, you know, instilling a playing with house money, zero fear of an individual loss, we'll get them tomorrow type thing. But, you know, for the excuses that I make for the Cubs trading you Darvish and that being kind of a signal that the front office was ready to move on, the, the Giants let Madison Bumgarner walk as a yep. free agent. And a lot of people felt like he was just the first domino of the old guard from their World Series days moving on. And Buster Posey took last year off, you know, because of COVID and the young kid at home and you didn't know what he was going to have coming back but you're right I mean going into this season I think everybody expected the Cardinals and Brewers probably to push each other in the central maybe the Reds with their offense and their pitching staff but all of the talk in the National League was focused around Dodgers Padres and look I mean the Brewers division has, has been terrible this year maybe the only division that's been more underwhelming has been the American League Central. Uh, but if I told you in a vacuum that the Dodgers at 69 and 46 would be a half game behind the Brewers in a bad division for the best record in the National League, you'd probably say, okay, 23 games over 500 in the middle of August sounds about right. Um, and yet they're five games back and nobody saw that coming. So the Giants have been a great story. I think, you know, when you look at the careers that guys like Brandon Belt and Crawford and Posey have had, you know, if this is the way that that group wants to ride off into the sunset, it, again, you know, going back to the Field of Dreams analogies here, if that it, it's, a, it's a tremendous script. And, you know, Gabe Kapler's done a masterful job of navigating some really choppy waters out there in the Bay and keeping them a team that just every doesn't matter when you load the standings. It feels like they've been seven and three and eight or eight and two the entire year. And that's how you end up with the best record in the national league. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot more even footing in the East, even though you could make a case that even footing is because teams have been mediocre most of the year. Um, but the, the West having three teams, really separate themselves from everyone but Milwaukee is, has been, I think, beyond what people expected. I think everyone thought Dodgers-Padres would be up there, but the Giants being in the lead and being as dominant as they have been has been really, really impressive. I mean, yeah, they're 33 games over 500. That's insane. 
Nah, and 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 you looked at their offense at the beginning of the year and their pitching staff. You're like, you know, Kevin Gossman's a nice player. Is he going to replace Madison Bumgarner? No, but he's a nice player. But to have a plus one forty three run differential and have Kevin Gossman an all star leading a really impressive pitching staff is again. I think most of the Giants have played way over their pay grade, way over expectations. And that's the kind of magic in a bottle that you look for if you want to put together that end-of-the-year highlight package for a really special year. And the Giants are doing that. So all credit in the world to the San Francisco Giants. Uh, And I think if you put power rankings together, everybody will look at the Dodgers and say on paper they're still the best team. Or they'll look at the White Sox and say on paper they're the best team. But it doesn't matter what you do on paper. you got to win the games. And... That you know, their credit. That's what the Brewers have done. They've taken advantage of the teams that they're on the schedule for them. They've won the games that they were supposed to, and that's that's what defines a good team: is winning the games that you're supposed to, and then winning more games that should be competitive than you lose. And they've done a masterful job of that all year. Yeah, it's been fun to watch. Look forward to the uh, the end of this story coming up for for the Frisco Giants. All right, uh, before we um, head into our uh, – before we head back to the Field of Dreams and a little more talk on the Yankees and the White Sox, um, I just want to run down a couple of items here that I was just thinking about as we were talking uh, before we go to break here. Uh, a couple of things for me that have kind of quieted down on the MLB side here a little bit. Obviously, COVID is still kind of definitely not only affecting this country again in certain pockets of the country, um, but it's uh, obviously um, – you know, dipping into to baseball rosters here, but not on not in an alarming rate, which is good. Uh, the other things that have quieted down a little bit for me, tab two, is the sticky ball situation, um, the new rules, and the um, there hasn't been any brawls lately. It seems like the guys have kind of tempered out a little bit as well too, and that seemed to be uh, a lot of the headlines uh, for the first you know few months here of the baseball season. So I just wanted to get your take on uh, on a couple of those items, and the other good story too, obviously, is the Blue Jays being back home in Toronto. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I think the emotions run hot. Um, you know, you saw Javier Baez hit a home run and jaw at the Marlins dugout when he was, you know, just joining the Mets. Um, I, I, tempers will be there, but I think you get into August and a lot of the jawing back and forth still happens, but I think players understand that any type of a suspension is going to carry more weight at this time of year than it would in maybe April or May. And so you're going to have more people behaving themselves. Um, I think, you know, with regards to the sticky ball situation, I think Major League Baseball put a pretty hard line in the sand on don't do it or we'll throw the book at you. And we've only had one guy get busted for it. And, you know, I, it, it was going to take some time for pitchers to adjust and get used to it, and they have. And, you know, you've seen the offense creep up a little bit in the wake of that, but pitchers have adjusted and found their ability to pitch without having anything extra on the hands. And so that certainly settled down. And, you know, COVID is still going to be a problem, um, and we'll talk about that a little bit more as we dig into – the Yankees uh, after the break, but you know, they're the, I think the team that's been hit the hardest all year by it, but you're still going to see some teams that get it. And I think the problem is, and, and again, we've talked about this kind of throughout the year when we talk about the COVID thing, what we have to remember is that a lot of these players are getting tested daily 
if not every other day. Um, and if you get vaccinated, the protocols back off a little bit. But what we've seen is that just because you're vaccinated doesn't mean that it's do as you wish, do as you please, because you can still get it, whether you're asymptomatic or have, you know, slight symptoms or think that you've got allergies or a cold or whatever, you can still get it. Um, and if you get it, whether you feel fine or you feel like crap, you're still going to have to sit for at least 10 days. And Milwaukee has had a, a tough run with it. They just got Josh Hader back off of the list earlier this week. And so, um, you know, I think now that you've got kind of some defined playoff races, players are going to start taking, but not taking better care of themselves, but being more cautious with where they go and where they allow themselves to be exposed to folks outside of the team bubble and their family bubble uh, and making sure that their families are handling their business as well. So, um, you know, knock on wood, fingers and toes are crossed that players, you know, especially the significant ones in the playoff races can stay on the field healthy, whether it be by injury or anything that would be COVID related and we can, and we can move on. And I think one of the biggest reason Paul, that we aren't talking as much about the sticky stuff or COVID is because the players on the field are forcing people to pay attention to the play mm -hmm. and not the, the extracurricular, not the pace of play crap. You know, I've railed about the commissioner's office a lot this year about let the players be the focus of the conversation and not all the other stuff. And the players have forced that. And I think you watched the field of dream game last night and for all the pomp and circumstance and, the beautiful artistry and, and the way that they started the game and everything else at the end of the day, if the game was mediocre, you had, you know, some fun video to watch of Kevin Costner coming out and wandering around for a minute and the players emerging from the cornfield and it would have been beautiful and people would have remembered it. But the fact that the players showed out means yeah. that we wake up this morning and we're talking about, Holy crap. That was a ninth inning for the ages. Mm-hmm. And it just happened to be in a one-off event where the nation's eyes were on a game in a cornfield and it was the game of the week and everybody was watching and you had a tremendous regular season game. And guys like Tim Anderson, who is the emotional spark plug of the White Sox, showed out. And so the reason we're not talking about a lot of this stuff right now is because we're talking about the Brandon Crawford, Bryce Harper MVP conversation in the National League. We're talking about the Brewers pitching staff. We're talking about Wander Franco's impact on the Rays and the Blue Jays getting back on the diamond at home in Toronto and becoming a playoff caliber team. We're talking about the Astros and A's getting healthy and charging down the stretch here in the West. The players are what we're talking about, and that's what it should be, whether it's Major League Baseball or hockey or football or basketball. We should be talking about the play and not extracurricular stuff, uh, you know, not – ignoring some of the other issues that we've dealt with this year. Um, you know, the Trevor Bowers and Marcelo Zunas of the world, not putting that in a box and ignoring it, certainly. But things like the pace of play, the COVID, the sticky stuff. They're not making the headlines anymore. As we're, much, yeah. we're, we're talking about what teams are doing on the field, and I think that's when the game is best. And we're, we've got a lot of really good young players to be excited about, and that's really exciting for baseball fans.
Yes, that's what we love here at Line Drive Radio. All right, we're going to take a quick break for sponsors, and when we come back, we're going to dive back into the Field of Dreams game uh, last night, but more importantly, where the Yankees and the White Sox uh, both stand respectively uh, as far as heading towards the playoffs and their uh, pros and cons or their uh, positives and their concerns. We'll be right back here on Line Drive Radio on the Revolver Podcast Network. Drive Radio, weekly baseball podcast with yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, and my good friend, Mr. Chad Bamford. Talking about the game, we are on the Revolver Podcast Network, and you can follow us everywhere at Lawn Drive Radio. And if you want to hang out with me and Tab, we're on the Twitter. So go to at Lawn Drive Radio on Twitter, and you'll see our personal accounts there, and talk some Talk some baseball with us online. Talk anything you want with us. We'll, uh, we'll talk you down off the ledge if you need to. We're those kind of guys. So anyway, um, again, we talked about it early in the show. Just a beautiful uh, presentation last night, not only uh, by the league and, and Iowa and the field and all the little magic and stuff. And I, I do. I want to go back and watch the movie again. It was great. And if you haven't watched it, go out and watch it. But um, two of the big storylines are obviously the two of the big teams that are in there. Um, you know, Chicago's, you know, the White Sox have basically been rolling along here pretty much all season long, playing very well in the La Russa. Uh, a little bit of drama in the beginning of the season. Uh, Yermin Mercedes is, uh, unfortunately, is a guy that we used to close the show with most of the, the season. Hasn't really been able to... Uh, um, be, be there for us here uh, lately in the last month or so here on Line Drive Radio. Uh, and then the Yankees, who made a big splash at the trade deadline, um, took a couple of, uh, at least the, one of the, you know, Tab's favorite players from the Chicago White Sox and grabbed a couple of the big guys. So we'll, we'll jump into that right now. Tab, where do you want to start? you want to start with the Yanks here and wrap with the Sox? Or, or you know, you, you tell me, you want to flip a coin, whichever team. I mean, they're both right now. You know, especially for me and everybody here in New York, uh, you know, they, they're just playing better than the big bad Yankees. You know, again, what I will say, though, you know, as a Yankee fan listening to that ninth inning and the excitement of Stanton getting the lead for us there, Judge hitting two, you know, last night, and, you know, just it's like, oh, wow, this is it. This is the freight train. We're back. You know, I've been saying online, too, we're going, you know, why not? I'm having some fun. We're going to win the World Series. It doesn't matter. And you get that vibe. And then you're, you know, Chapman's out for us. And the young guy comes in last night. And we get up two outs. And then, you know, it, the whole thing just gets deflated again. And, and the White Sox just bring us right back down to earth. And, yes, it, it's, a, it's a fun and nostalgic game last night. And we'll get into the meet this weekend when the two teams play each other, too. And, and we've talked about it at the beginning of our show here, predictions. We've basically said it was going to be the Yankees and, and the White Sox, we feel, at the end of the season. And uh, we got a little bit of a preview of it last night, and uh, but but good, good stuff all around. I I think more than anything, and I wonder, Tab Two uh, as a league, you know, uh, you, you want the Yankees in it. I mean, I, I'm sure teams, fans of other teams, are just rolling their eyes right now and can't stand it or whatever. But you know, come on, it's the Yanks. You, you got to have them in the mix because so many people hate them uh, equally as much as uh, those of us who love them. 
Um, it's it's just great. And and I think there's so many guys on this roster and this lineup, and with Boone and getting close the last few years, I mean, man, it, just for them to, to get back there and to win a World Series uh, would be just amazing. And I think for more importantly for these guys on this team, uh, Cashman and the whole organization, because they've gotten close, the Big Bad Bombers, they're Ed Rizzo, they're Ed Gallo, um, the pitching's still kind of struggling here a little bit, but uh, they're in the mix, man. They're in it. So you tell me if you want to go with the Yankees right there off of what I just said or swing back to your uh, your White Sox, buddy. No, I mean, let's let's stick with the Yankees here because I think they were a team that I think fascinated a lot of people going into the deadline because they were kind of hanging around that, that 500-type team it seemed like every time they take two steps forward they take a step or two back and a lot of people were just incredibly critical of the roster that Brian Cashman gave Aaron Boone and then subsequently critical of the way that Aaron Boone put the team out on the field every day and as I've said throughout managers do make decisions that affect the game but they're only as good as the personnel that they have to work with and at the end of the day the players have to execute their jobs but if you don't have the right players to execute the jobs it's kind of hard to you know can't squeeze water out of a rock very easily and so when they go out of the debt you know the big thing that they didn't have was left-handed hitting the only guy on the roster who was healthy who batted left-handed really on a daily basis was uh brett gardner and what does Cashman do? He goes and gets two big-time lefties in Rizzo and Gallo. And for a week and a half there, so Anthony Rizzo was the second coming of Paul O'Neill. He was coming up with big hits. He was mashing. He was driving in runs. He was everything that they needed. Um, unfortunately, he's on the COVID list right now. But, you know, that's that was a big deal, having Gallo in the middle of the lineup to break up the righties with Judge and Stanton is huge. Um, and so, you know, adding those two players changed the narrative a little bit. And then, you know, Garrett Cole, after the crackdown on, on the sticky stuff, you know, he's pretty openly struggled with some stuff. But let, let's give credit where it's due. Jamison Tyon has really been a savior for them. You know, he's got an ERA now under th- Four. He's got a three eight two ERA. He's seven and four. Um, he's been able to keep his, his free passes down pretty well. Thirty four walks and one hundred and thirteen innings against one hundred and twelve strikeouts. Um, you know, Jamison Tyon has been a guy who's really, while Garrett Cole has been dealing with COVID and you know fighting to, to find it a little bit after they took away his sticky stuff. He's been the guy who's kind of served as the stopper, and then you've got some young guys. You know, the last couple of weeks you've seen Luis Heel. It's pronounced Heel, though it's spelled Gil, G-I-L. Um, he's one of the young guys who's come in and bought them, you know, a start or two. And this, I mean, this kid comes in, two appearances. He's got 14 strikeouts and three walks and 11 innings. He has not allowed an earned run. You know, this is where organizational depth plays such a massive role. And where, while people are blasting, Cashman for stuff like Corey Kluber not working out as well as you would have wanted. Um, you know, Chapman getting a massive deal and not throwing as nearly as well as people want him to. You know, 
that kind of stuff happens. You know, Zach Britton came back from the injury. Unfortunately, he was on the losing end last night, but he was throwing well with Chapman out of the lineup. If you want to get in the playoffs, you've got to have contributions from the guys who you expect them from, the judges and Stantons of the world, uh, the Coles of the world, but you need some other guys to show up. And if you're in the American League East with the Red Sox and the Rays and now the Blue Jays, you got to have a complete team kind of rolling in at least most of the cylinders to stay in the mix. And the Yankees, to their credit over, you know, since the deadline have really rolled through a lot of riffraff, you know, I mean, Gary Sanchez has kind of become a non-factor for them. Um, you know, they've had the COVID issues. Glaber Torres now has a thumb problem. So you looked at the lineup for the Yankees last night, like who, what, where, what are we doing here? Uh, you know, rolling Abbott and Costello into the, Field of Dreams moment, but here they are with you know a team that on paper is a juggernaut in the Chicago White Sox taking the lead in the top of the ninth inning and hanging around. Lance Lynn again for me the and Vegas the favorite to win the Cy Young in the American League. Um, you know having a very ordinary start. Um, you know not a seven inning lockdown performance like he's done many times this year and. So, you know, you have to give some credit to the guys that Cashman has drafted or signed internationally, the young guys that are coming in and filtering in to fill in some of the holes as they've dealt with the injuries. And so, like, if you want to, you know, answer the question, what makes the Yankees a playoff team, I think you look at the moves that Cashman made at the deadline, specifically Rizzo and Gallo. You know, hopefully Rizzo's able to come back and, and be that dominant guy that he was for them before he got hurt and provide those leadership elements that he does. Um, and then the youth movement that's kind of filled in the gaps. But if you have pause as the Yankees, you're still looking up at the Red Sox. You're still looking up at the Rays. Um, you are a half game in front of Toronto, who is back at home, and that has been a huge bounce in the step of the Blue Jays. Adding a, an ace-caliber starter in Barrios at the deadline, huge bounce for them. They need Rizzo to come back. They need Chapman to come back. They need Glaber to start hitting the ball when his thumb is, is healthy. They need Garrett Cole to be the Cy Young-looking dominant ace that he was early in the season. And they need that bullpen to settle down. Because, again, last night, you know, the bullpen looked okay after Haney came out of the game. But all, at the end of the day, it was the bullpen that cost him the W. So they've got plenty to be excited about. They've got some concerns. That's the drama that the Yankees seem to give on an annual basis. Uh, you don't have old man Steinbrenner and Billy Martin at each other's necks, but you certainly had some drama with the media calling for Aaron Boone's head earlier this year. Uh, I think if you're a, if you're a manager in a, of the Yankees and you have job security and you feel comfortable in your job, you're either Joe Torre or you're not paying attention. And at times, Joe Torre even had people calling for his job. So. If you're the Yankees, no one's ever going to be totally happy. No one's ever going to be totally depressed. But there's a lot to like about what the Yankees look like and how that team is constructed right now when healthy. That's your 50-ton asterisk on the Yankees right now. When healthy, which they aren't, and they haven't been for a while, and they've been able to play through it. But if they want to make a run, if they want to get in, if they want to stay ahead of Toronto, if they want to catch Boston – if they want to make a deep run and be the World Series representative from the American League, they got to get healthy and stay healthy. And unfortunately, this year we haven't seen that much 
from the Bombers. Uh, but now is the time for them to get their act together, figure out whatever they got to do to stop getting having COVID run through that clubhouse, uh, and you know have Garrett Cole come back and be a number one, have Tyon stay happy and healthy as that number two that's been throwing pretty well, have some of these young guys start to establish roles and fill in the gaps, and maybe they can. But they've got a, a lot of questions that need answers, and most of them are physical. It's not the lineup construction anymore. They've got some lefties. It's can they stay healthy? Can they get healthy and make a run? And that's what the Yankees need to answer. And unfortunately, I don't think either one of us can tell you with absolute certainty that they're going to be able to keep guys off the COVID list and keep guys from hurting their thumb like labor. Um, but that's the the fun of playing the game. And this weekend, again, with the emotional bounce that the White Sox got with that walk-off last night, coming home, I mean, if you listen to Tim Anderson after the game, when the Sox went into the Bronx earlier this year, the Yankees put it on them pretty good, and the Sox didn't forget. And they're playing with a chip on their shoulder this weekend because they feel like they're the best team in baseball, not in the American League. The White Sox really believe in that room that they are the best team in baseball, and they are out to prove it. And they want a national audience to watch them prove it at the expense of the Yankees. So you're going to get all sorts of drama this weekend. Uh, and the Yankees are going to get a real good litmus test for what they've got left on the field right now. And they're going to get a look at a team that if they want to get to the World Series, or even, heck, if they get in the playoffs, they're going to have to go through Chicago. So how do they match up with Chicago? We'll see. Yeah, I mean, look, I, uh, from uh... – from a Yankee side, from me, on a positive side, I mean, Boone himself, with all the uh, ups and downs this seasons, um, the different things he's had to deal with, um, I think he's been he's managed it pretty well. You know, you know, we, we talk about the AL East is the toughest division, uh, definitely in the American League and, and maybe in baseball. Um, and, and, you know, not to pat him on the back too much, he's got an incredible, uh, talented roster there. But... He's been he's had to kind of dip into his bag of tricks there in terms of the organizational picks to come in and 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 puts guys in key positions and you know they're 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 in a they're two games out of a wild card spot. There's a lot of baseball left, but they can still maybe uh, take a run towards the division. Uh, this you know you you look at the the game last night. Yes, it would have been great to have Rizzo and Cole in the game, but that game last night really isn't important. It was a beautiful game to watch. It was great to be a part of. The Yankees got to focus in here now and start winning series. And start getting serious, uh, serious about you know uh, what's going on. And I think they can. And if you know you bring it up, like I said, for any team in the league, you got to be healthy. So if you look at the, you know, guys that are getting COVID now, it's it's I guess it's maybe it's a good thing. You, you never want to get it, but if they're getting it now as opposed to uh, getting it in uh, September, you know maybe that's you know that's the pl- the positive side that y- you look at it right now. And, uh, and we'll see. And then, like, maybe things will line up for them. Hopefully, maybe they get Chapman back in here, and he comes in with a fresh start, uh, fresh head. And, um, you know, Gallo and Rizzo in this lineup. And uh, and then all the other parts of this, LeMayo and, and Gardner, and, 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 you know, our show is called Line Drive Radio. And, and some of those pops, and Gardner won a game the other day uh, with a hit like that. And hopefully this team, it's got the, it's got everything. It's there. They're in the mix um, you, you bring up great points about, like I said, the young pitching staff. But now these guys have been getting a lot of experience. So by the time of the end of the year, if things can line up for the Yankees as far as these young guys getting uh, the experience, having to step up. They'll have that now as it gets a little closer to the high-pressure games. But the Yankees just got to dig in and win series. And I'm looking forward to the series against the White Sox uh, uh, this weekend. It's going to be great. And um, the Yanks, too. You know, there's some... 
couple of big series coming up against the Sox, and you talk about it earlier in the beginning of the game in terms of, you know, whether the Sox can stop the slide here and, and Tampa. So it's going to be fun. There's no doubt about it. But I think the, uh, the Yankees are in a uh, – of all the craziness and all the stuff that's going on this season and all the big money and everything else – they're there, and and everybody in in the at the top of that division and in the wild card race, believe me, is fully aware that the Yankee machine um, has a chance of steamrolling everybody if 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 everything lines up. So let's switch back over to the White Sox now, Tab, and and you talk about it. I think that's a huge thing. You know, you, you're you're in more touch, obviously, a hometown guy with the White Sox and stuff. But hearing you say that those guys in the locker room believe that they are the best team in baseball, I think is huge. And we go back to the beginning of the year, and we went, ha, 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 Tony La Russa coming in, the old man. It didn't start off that too well there, um, you know, as far as uh, maybe that should be another uh, one of the good things I was bringing up about the years uh, uh, this season, uh, Jeremy Down. You know, Tony, no, no more drinking incidents that we've known about it too. Um, so the Sox have kind of bought in, man. I think, you know, I think maybe you can allude to that too, and as you go on talking about the Sox here in depth, but – uh, talk about Larusa here. This guy coming in, he's managing what you say the best team in baseball, and in a new league with young uh, players, the mix, the personalities, the contracts, big city in Chicago, everything that's going on. And this guy's he's still doing it at his age, and he probably has you know if not the best team that could probably bring a championship back to Chicago. Yeah, and and look, let's. Let, let, let's own a couple things here. There were questions about how a young, brash, uh, talkative, if you will, um, team full of swagger would work with an old man who's always been a put-your-head-down-and-play-the-game guy. And we haven't seen him barking at Tim Anderson to settle down. And so, you know, kudos to La Russa for finding that happy ground. And at the end of the day, you know, I brought up Billy Martin earlier. The team doesn't necessarily have to love the guy. They might, they don't have to invite him over for Thanksgiving dinner, but they have to respect him and know that he knows what it takes to get it done. And there's no Absolutely. question. He's already in the hall of fame. Yep. There's no question that he knows how to get it done, but let's not act like this season. I mean, the White Sox, they started spring training and Tim Anderson said, we want to win the World Series. And you looked at the team on, the, on paper, and you're like, okay, I, I, can, I can buy it. And then during spring training, Aloy Jimenez jumps on the fence like an idiot and hurts himself, and he's out until a couple weeks ago. And then Luis Robert grabs his hip and goes down for a couple months. And then Nick Madrigal grabs his hamstring and goes down for a couple months. And then Yasmani Grandal grabs his knee and goes down for a couple months. It's not like the White Sox have been without their own health-related issues this mm-hmm. year. Carlos Rodon was supposed to start the game last night, and he went on the 10-day with a, with a tired shoulder. Um, the White Sox have marched to the top of their division, partly because their division sucks. Let's just be real. <laughs> that division has underwhelmed all year, and the White Sox are a bona fide juggernaut. So this is what's supposed to happen. It's like Milwaukee. If you have the best team in a bad division, mm-hmm. you should have a huge lead, and they do. Yep. But the difference between the White Sox and, and the Yankees is 
Eloy Jimenez is back, and he's raking. And you saw that last night. This, this kid, he's a big boy, and he has just easy light tower power. I mean, it looked like he got jammed last night, and that thing went out oppo. Uh, Luis Robert is back in the lineup now. A gold glove winning sophomore center fielder who gives them a speed element, a power element. He can go get it. He's got an arm. He's a five-tool player. He's one of the more exciting young guys in the American League. He's back. Lance Lynn, if he doesn't have it, still finds a way to keep his team in games. Rodon has had a – we've talked about Rodon on this show all year. I mean, the fact that this dude got non-tendered by the White Sox and came back because he he pitched through the crap on the south side and wanted to be part of something special. And here he is. You know, likely being, you know, at least in the top four or five of the Cy Young conversation in the American League and earning an all-star bid has been absolutely special. Giolito keeps being good. Dylan Cease has really emerged as a strikeout guy who's doing some really special stuff there as well. I mean, his stuff, you talk to the guys in the Sox, I'll tell you, Dylan Cease in that rotation probably has the best pure stuff. Mm-hmm. He's just got to figure out how to control it a lot of the time. And then the bullpen. I mean, Kimbrell came in last night, got him out of some out of a mess. Hendricks got torched, but he's been good all year. And you heard it during the broadcast last night. I mean, Hendricks told the guys on the broadcast, he was like, if you lined all, everybody on this team up and you went pure stuff, Kopech is the best. And last night he was filthy. And he didn't even get a few calls that he should have gotten. And so the back end of the bullpen, you got three guys who are absolutely dominant. Um, you've got options. Any one of those three guys can close out a game. Kopech can give you more than one inning if needed. You know, one of the questions I think for LaRusse La is going to have to answer is, other than Kopech, Hendricks, and Kimbrell, who out of the bullpen is he really going to trust with the money on the table? Because there have been moments this year where you have pause with them going to an Aaron Bummer. They're, you know, who's given up 18 earned runs and 39 and two thirds this year. Um, you know, Cody Hoyer got traded to the Cubs. Madrigal got traded to the Cubs. Garrett Crochet, again, you know, this is a young guy. He, they drafted him last year. He pretty much went straight to the majors, 48 strikeouts and 36 and two thirds. But there's uh, there are times that he misses the zone and there are times that he doesn't miss bats. You know, he's, they've got, you know, Ryan Burr, Matt Foster, Evan Marshall. They've got some. Some guys who, who bring it. They've got Ryan Tapera, who they got from the Cubs, who we talked about earlier this year, was uh, you know the reliever of the month in the National League, who's not going to bring it 100 miles an hour like it feels like everybody else in that bullpen does. But, I mean, they, they've got every, they check every box. Mm-hmm. They've got four or five really good starters. Dallas Keuchel has not been as good as a lot of people would have liked. Um, he's given up 21 home runs, which is more than you'd like. Uh, he's kind of scuffled a little bit here down the stretch. Didn't have a, but he's a veteran who's been through the ringer before, and so you've got a couple guys in the rotation who know what it takes to pitch into October. You've got some young guys in Giolito and Cease who are learning. You've got Rodon who's been through the crap, and now he's just playing with house money, having the year of his life. And then you've got lights out at the end of the bullpen. So, uh, in the next six, seven weeks, Larusa is going to have to figure out who he trusts at the end of the bullpen, but. At the same time, it's like, again, we talk about the injury concerns. Madrigal went down, so they went out and got Cesar Hernandez, who won a gold glove last year at second base, who's traditionally been a pretty good-hitting second baseman. 
Um, so now their infield defense is a lot better. They've got young guys who are making a great impact too. And, you know, that's the other big problem that LaRusse is going to have to figure out here is how does he get everybody at bats? I mean, last night, Andrew Vaughn was your DH. I would, I think most Sox fans would prefer that he's in left and Eloy Jimenez is your designated hitter. But when Grandal comes back, which he just started his rehab assignment this week, which is great, that means he's hopefully going to come back. But he's coming back from a knee injury, so how frequently is he going to be able to get behind the plate? And if he needs to serve as your DH, how do you keep Vaughn getting at bats and Eloy in the lineup and not be defensively bad? Because um, I think most people would agree that Eloy Jimenez leaves a lot to be desired defensively in left field. But look, they, they've gotten contributions from guys all over the place. You know, Billy Hamilton brings a speed element. He's been better with the bat than I think a lot of people thought he would be. But if you've got him as a pinch runner, God bless. Good luck. Brian Goodwin's been really nice. Vaughn, again, you know, so many people are so high on him with the hit tool. Um, so it, it's an embarrassment of riches for the White Sox where, I mean, look, Sebi Zavala, this guy that no one's ever heard of who, who's getting the, the call to sit behind the dish last night, hits a home run. Um, you know, a guy who, who had no home runs in his career and then goes off and has a huge day and then he pops one last night. This is, again, you've got players who are getting after it in big games, guys who are performing well. Everybody, one through nine in the lineup, is contributing almost on a daily basis. And so La Russa, and this is where Tony La Russa is going to pay dividends for the White Sox, is he got them through not having Eloy and Robert and Grandal and Madrigal. And the front office went out and replaced Madrigal with a gold glove caliber veteran. They went out and added to their bullpen with a couple big guys from the other side of town. And so now it's really how does a manager make sure that everybody's healthy and performing well and what's the right mix when the chips are on the table? And LaRusso knows how to do that because he's done it. He did it in, he did it in Chicago before any of these kids' parents were born. <laughs> um, you know, he did it in Oakland. I mean, sure as hell dealt with some attitudes with the Bash brothers out there with Ricky Henderson and Jose Canseco and that group. Um, he dealt with it uh, in St. Louis with guys, you know, he was a wild card team that won the World Series. He, so he's seen it all. He's done it all. And I think that's what gives the White Sox the ability to come out and say we're the best team in baseball right now. And we're going to win the whole damn thing because they know they've got the pieces on the field. They've got more depth than just about anybody. They've got experience where they need to have experience both on the field and in the dugout. And they know that their manager is probably going to put guys in a position to succeed because he's got a Hall of Fame track record that says that he knows how to do that. So do the are the White Sox without concerns? No, not at all. they got to figure out how to keep everybody happy and healthy and how they find everybody at bats to keep them productive and what they do with Grandal when he comes back and make sure that he's in the lineup every day somehow, some way when he can be. But you look at that team and there aren't a lot of holes. And even when an issue pops up like your all-star closer giving up two two-run jacks and blowing a three-run lead in the ninth inning last night, they still find a way to win. And it was your catcher nobody's ever heard of getting on base before Tim Anderson walks it off. So the White Sox are confident, but not to a fault. They play with swagger. They play with emotion. They are an exciting team. They're a young team. They don't know that they're not supposed to win it because they believe that they should win it. 
And I think, you know, we've talked about the Blue Jays being too young to realize that they aren't supposed to beat the Yankees and the Red Sox. And the Rays, having been to the World Series last year, knowing what it takes, and a lot of the guys in that room know what the World Series feels like, and now they want to get to over the top. But, I mean, you look at it top to bottom, and I don't know that there's a better rotation, 1-4, to 1-5 to five in the American League than the White Sox. I don't know if there's a better lineup, 1-9, to nine, when Grandal comes back in the American League than the White Sox. Um, you know, Houston's great. Oakland is great. Tampa's special. I think if the Red Sox get any 90% of what Chris Sale's been in the past, they'll be interesting. We just talked about the Yankees at length. The Blue Jays with Barrios joining a, a pretty good rotation. They're going to be dangerous, and that lineup is potent as hell. But I don't know if there's a team from top to bottom that you can say has everything that you would need to win the World Series and represent the American League. And frankly... I picked them on our season preview show. I put my flag on the top of the White Sox bandwagon and said, I think they're going to get to the World Series out of the American League. And that was without the understanding that Grandal and Madrigal and Robert would miss significant time or that Eloy would not come back until August. Um, but that's the hand that they've been dealt this year, and they haven't cared. They No excuses. We'll still whoop your ass. And they have. So, uh, you know, the White Sox and Brewers both. Both central divisions, you've got teams that have sprinted out to a big lead. And it has not been all, uh, you know, rosy this year. It hasn't been a perfect year. It hasn't been an easy year by any stretch of the imagination. But they've done the job. And a lot of that goes back to the depth that the front office has built. The managers knowing how to put guys in positions to succeed. And players, doesn't matter if you're... Jose Abreu or Christian Yelich, you you go out and you get it done every single day. So, um, you know, are the White Sox a World Series contender? Hell yeah. Are they the best team in baseball? Based on record, they don't have the best record, but when you look at the way that they're playing and the depth and you look at them on paper and then you look at how they're executing, because on paper doesn't mean a damn thing if you don't play well, ask the St. Louis Cardinals. Um there's nothing about the White Sox that says that this is a team that isn't going to be having a parade in early November. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess the other two stark things between the Yankees right now and the White Sox, as far as how Boone has to manage and, and as far as how LaRusse has to manage, the Yankees are in a situation here, obviously, where, you know, every everything counts. It's, it's you know, they're... They're competing for a wild card spot. They're, um, you know, they, you know, as far as the division, whether or not they're going to try and make a dent at that. But you know, they just want to get in the playoffs. Uh, but every game, every series here, no matter who they're playing, uh, where they are in the standings, the other teams that are above them and around them, with regards to the wild card uh, and the teams that are above them in the division, um, there's going to be a lot of stress here going forward. I would say maybe the Sox, you know, they're 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 going to win that division. Nobody's going to really give them a, a problem here the rest of the way. So there's a little bit of more, you know, I think that's going to be a, uh, something to look forward to. And maybe I want to just focus real quick on, on the Sox this month as far as uh, where they're going. But, again, LaRusse is the experienced guy. Maybe he's the best guy to have for this team right now, where they are in the standings. No real pressure as far as the rest of the division. They're going to win the division. You know, it would have to be some kind of major collapse. But uh, it would be interesting in terms of, um, like I said, both Boone and Larusa have to manage a different way right now. Now, you know, the, the, the Shy Sox here, have, um, they've lost a couple of KC. They've lost a couple of Minnesota. 
They, you know, they pull off the win last night at the Yankees. They got a great series coming up here, two-game set, and then they got four with Oakland, and then they got three with Tampa. And, in Tampa. Yeah, and then four with Toronto. In um, Toronto. Yes, and then, you know, and then a couple of, uh, you know, Chicago. I mean, the Cubbies might want to, you know, go out of their way to cause some trouble there. So this, this, these next couple of weeks for the Sox are huge as terms, as, as, in terms of finding out, you know, what you're saying, how they feel in the, in the clubhouse, putting the nail on the coffin. Because after these three weeks, Tab, September's, that's cake. They got a couple of games against Boston and three more games against um, Oakland. But the rest of it is, it, it's all easy stuff. It's Detroit, it's Cleveland, it's Texas, it's KC, it's Cincinnati, and they wrap up the season against the Tigers. So they can basically skip through September if they want to. But these next three weeks, you know, keep an eye on the Sox. How do they come out of this month? Against, well, and that, uh, that's exactly it. This is, I, I think, you know, look, they, yeah, you know what, they, they swept the Cubs. Everybody is right now. They're terrible. Um, you know, you lose two out of three at home to Kansas City, not ideal. Um, but again, the Kansas City team is impressing. You know, they're not quitting on anybody right now. Um, and then you lose two out of three in Minnesota. Minnesota is not going to go anywhere. And again, Keuchel didn't have the best uh, start in the middle game of that series. And their two losses, again, let's let's be clear here. The two losses in Minnesota were both one-run losses. One of the losses to Kansas City was a run one-run loss. Their loss before that in Cleveland was a one-run loss. So since the – let's run it back here. Since July 25th, the White Sox have had only had two losses that were by more than one run. They had a 5-0 loss – at Kansas City on July 29th, and then they lost against 9-1. Giolito got blowtorched um, on August 4th. So they've had two losses by more than one run since the 25th of July. So this is a team that's in every game. And what you're going to learn now, what you want to see as a fan, is give us that litmus test. You want to be the best, you got to beat the best. You want to be in the playoffs, you got to get in the playoffs. And the fear of a team that sprints out to a division lead, when we were running through the standings, you talked about Milwaukee, you're like, they got a pretty soft schedule the rest of the way. The fear, if you're a Brewers fan, is you got a big lead, the rest of the division is just absolute step in it, burn the shoes, don't even try to wipe it off kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Your fear is that you, 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 you get complacent, you get lazy, and you're able to win games 4 to 2 because the other team is just that bad. Yeah. Every single day. And then when the lights turn on and, you know, you're at the starting line, you don't have the lead foot that you need to to get off the line like you need to when it shows up. The White Sox are getting healthy, and so let's not underestimate what I mean, when Luis Robert came back from the injury, he told the media that he felt like it was the first day that he got called up to the majors. He was that excited. He was like, this is day one. I'm, I'm excited. Eloy Jimenez has been an energy boost like nothing else. But you listen to guys like Tim Anderson. Again, he's the emotional heartbeat of that team. And he says, these are big games. We get up for big games. When they played the Cubs on national TV, they're like, oh, you beat the crap out of the Cubs. Well, the Cubs suck. And he was like, we don't care. You got to get up for the games that you got to get up for. And we need to get up to beat the Cubs. The White Sox are about – last night's game in Iowa starts, I would submit, one of the hardest 
three and a half week stretches, probably the hardest three and a half week stretch left of any team in Major League Baseball. They're going to, I mean, they've got well, except Oakland. The Met, all, except, except the rest of the Mets schedule the rest of the week. Well, but yeah. <laughs> but, but, but look, I mean, even the Mets, it, it, it eases up a little bit after the next, you know, whatever, 12 days that they've got to deal with L.A. and San Francisco. The, the, the White Sox are going to get Yankees in Chicago and Oakland in Chicago, two teams that are fighting for a wild card that have a lot to play for. And then you're going to have a, a you know big seven-game trip. And let's not sell short the fact that they're going to go to Tampa for three and then fly from Tampa to Toronto, which is not like you know driving to Milwaukee or flying into Dubuque from Minneapolis here. Yeah, that's a Sunday night. Decent-sized flight. You're going against a good team. I mean, they are going to go through a gauntlet here where they're going to know exactly how they stand. Mm-hmm. This is the team that wants to win the World Series, that believes they're the best team in baseball. When they come home to play the Chicago Cubs on the 27th of August, we will know with absolute certainty if the Chicago White Sox are the best team in the American League. Absolutely. Yep. Good point. Because they get the Yankees, they get the A's, they get the Rays, and they get the Blue Jays. I mean, if there was ever alliteration... You know, I'm a poet and didn't even know it. A's, Rays, Blue Jays. Here we go. <laughs> Dr. Seuss wrote the schedule for the Chicago White Sox. <laughs> but you will uh, know when we wake up and get ready to watch a crosstown classic or debacle, if you're a Cubs fan, on the 27th of August, we will know with absolute certainty if the Chicago White Sox are the team to beat in the American League because of who they play over the next, whatever that is, 14 days. You've got 13 days left. Uh, you do not have, it looks like, uh, they don't have an off day either. So you've got 13 straight days against A-level competition on both coasts. You get the A's, who are in the wild card mix from the West, and you get the best in the East. So you will know. On the you know Tony's at happy hour today. His only oh. off day. <laughs> Hope not. Actually, you know what? <laughs> Sincerely, though, you know, the reason Tony La Russa was not at the Field of Dreams game last night is because his brother-in-law passed away. And so, um, you know, hopefully, you know, he's able to deal with the family stuff and, and get back here because he's, you know, as we've talked about, not denying at all that he's been a big part of them being in the mix here. And he's going to be the guy that pulls the strings here in the next two weeks to figure out if they're going to navigate this stretch here if they're the best team in the American League and the team to beat. But we will know because we they whoever wrote the schedule did us a favor here as baseball fans. You'll know exactly what the landscape is in the American League when the dust settles on the 27th of August because the White Sox and with New York and Oakland and Toronto, not only are we going to know if the White Sox are the team to beat, but that's going to have a huge impact on the wild card race because you've got three of the teams that are in it right now. And then, you know, as you said, they come back and get Boston a little bit later. But the White Sox are going to make a a statement for themselves and they're going to make a huge impact on the wild card race. So uh, if you're looking for games to watch out of market, uh, figure out what the White Sox time is, because you're going to have plenty to have your eyeballs on. And you're going to have a lot of national television stuff, too. They've got a one o'clock on TBS on Sunday with the Yankees. They got Monday Night Baseball on ESPN against Oakland on Monday the world's going to, even if ESPN forgets that they won the World Series in 05 when the graphics department put together who's won what, 
you're going to get plenty of national eyeballs on the White Sox here. So it's up to them to live up to the hype that they've built themselves and their front office has built with that roster. And you got to win the games, but you'll you're going to find out a lot about what they're what they bring to the table here in the next couple of weeks. And we don't even know if they're going to have Grandal back before the 27th because he's just starting his rehab assignment here. So big big time stuff here coming for the Chicago South Siders. No doubt about it. And condolences to Tony LaRusso's family there. And um, as a Yankee fan, hopefully they'll lose these two games this weekend and then go 11-0 on the next stretch against all the teams we just mentioned here. So there you have it. And on the uh, Dr. Seuss pun there, uh, thing one and thing two, the Yankees and the White Sox here on Line Drive Radio. So before we um, turn the lights off, turn the sprinklers on, shut down the concession stands, and ask everybody to quietly leave the building, we've got to do tabs fantasy baseball and on of the week who you got for everybody this week Tim? well folks you know we we we've offered our analysis throughout the year of guys that you should rent guys that you should buy long-term holds guys that can fill a hole here and there some have hit i think more have hit than otherwise but uh you know we're in a part of the year here where you've got some turnover on teams you've got some injuries you might need some help so here's, here's what we're thinking this week. We talked about the White Sox not having a day off for the next two weeks. There's another team that doesn't have a day off until the 29th of August that is going to provide some opportunity here. And one guy specifically who I've got my eyes on, we talked about how the Royals um, you know, disappointed the White Sox by not just rolling over uh, as bad teams are supposed to this time of year. And it surprised me a little bit. One of the guys that played a big role in that was Michael A. Taylor, who is this week's Line Drive Radio Fantasy Ad of the Week. Over the last week, Michael A. Taylor batting 384, five runs scored, and critical for those of you in the rotisserie format, three stolen bases. Um, the Royals uh, looking ahead here. They've got two weeks with 16 days starting uh, today without a day off, and they've got the Cardinals, the Astros twice, the Cubs and the Mariners. The Astros are, are again, a, a pretty good team, but the Cardinals, Cubs, and Mariners pitching staffs certainly give you the opportunity to look at buy opportunities here with the Royals. Michael A. Taylor's been hot, and he is available in 94% of Yahoo leagues. He's only owned in 6% of Yahoo Fantasy League. Wow. So if, you, if you're someone who's got Mookie Betts going on the injured list this week or somebody else underwhelming or somebody else that gets uh, has a, a hammy or just gets a 10-day trip to the IL to rest up for the playoff run. Keep an eye on Michael A. Taylor in Kansas City. This week's Line Drive Radio Fantasy Ad of the Week. Bravo. Go get him. Michael A. Taylor. Outfielder. Kansas City Royals. Here comes some stats there for you. They got a long haul. Wow. The dog days of summer, as they call it here, all the time, but especially in baseball. I love it, man. Pick them up. And you know where to send your winnings and your earnings. you got to split them with me and Tab at the end of the year. One lump sum. PayPal will go out at the end of the year. We happily will accept any uh, tips and or endorsements. Absolutely, as always. All right, man. The the cigar and bourbon fund's well populated. (laughs) Get Tab and Paul ready as we transition later this fall. America's pastime to the greatest, coolest game on ice coming up a little later. Bourbon won't be the only thing I miss, my friend. (laughs) Good stuff as always. Thank you so much for listening, supporting us, subscribing, sharing, all that stuff. Big thanks to Revolver Podcast. 
Network, as always, for having us here on the network. We appreciate it. Everybody out there, stay safe, stay healthy, enjoy the games. And, um, again, if you didn't catch the Field of Dreams game last night, uh, definitely uh, look at the highlights, check it out. Just breathtaking stuff and a wild game. And I look forward to the Yankees and the Sox this weekend and the rest of uh, the month of August. And we'll be here for it. Back next week, Line Drive Radio. Tab, as always, say goodbye to the folks. Hey, you've still got time to watch minor league baseball. I know the kids are headed back to school, but the great thing is baseball is just heating up. So watch a game, get outside, play catch with your uh, son or daughter. Uh, in in the spirit of Field of Dreams, go out and have a catch. And uh, we'll be back Sounds next good. week with more Line Drive Radio. Sounds good to me. And speaking of minor league baseball, buddy, I'm going up Sunday to Rockland County, and I will be watching the New York Boulders uh, play the New Jersey Jackals, baby. I'll be there, Boulders man. and Jackals. Here we go. Love it. Bring you back a hack, but I'll bring you back a hat, buddy, all right? Beautiful. Sounds good. Replace that Chicago White Sox hat that's on your head right now. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Digging it Uh-oh. in. Uh-oh. Line Drive Radio's out. Thanks so much, everybody. Stay safe out there. Play ball! Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.